Welcome to the Gold Missions Inc. podcast. Today's episode features David Luff with a message called, What God Has Done For Us. You know, in this move of the Spirit that we have been so privileged to be a part of, as we think back on it, most of us can say that we had nothing to, to do with it somehow. <laughs> The Lord just seemed to pluck us from where we were and drop us into this into this thing, into this this wonderful revelation that God has has made known to us. We can also we're also aware that there was nothing in us that made us worthy that God would do this, but it is by the grace of God. And the whole gospel of Jesus Christ can sort of be summed up in this. It's not what we can do for God, but what God has done for us. <laughs> and we thank Him for that this morning. As we think about this inheritance that we have in Christ, and we think about that, and we think about that, that kingdom which is to come, we think about what Jesus spoke to the Pharisees when they asked Him about when this kingdom that He spoke of would come. And in the 17th chapter of Luke, verses 21 and 22, it says, And when He was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, He answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Literally, what he was saying there, the kingdom of God is in your midst. And it is in your midst because the king is in your midst, right here. And of course, the the same way of interpreting it, being within us, is true also. For if we are in Christ, then the then the the king, the king Christ is in us. And where the king is, there is the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is within us, but one day that kingdom of God, that visible, tangible kingdom will be manifested in the earth. But before that can happen, that kingdom has to be manifested in the hearts and minds of us as individual members of His body. So we can see see God working kind of in parallel paths. He He has revealed to us the order of the church. He has revealed to us the the operation of the church, the, the mechanics, if you will, of the church. How, how one body, how one member of the body ministers to another member of the body. And how we are, are strengthened by that which every joint supplies. He has told us how He has given us gifts and ministries at His choosing and, and, and according to His plan that we might fit together into this one body, the body of Christ. And, and, and there's been a lot of focus on that. And, and rightly so, as we learn to function and operate as a body. But at the same time, 
At the same time that he is doing this, he is working on us as individuals. Amen. That we might become overcomers. This scripture came to mind in 1 Kings chapter 6 and verse 7. It says, and, and the temple, when it was being built, was built with stone finished at the quarry so that no hammer or chisel or any iron tool was heard in the temple while it was being built. There are quarries where God is shaping the members of His body in such a way that they will be able to fit in to the place that He has for us. And, it, you know, for us, we... If you're like me, I, I'm, I'm kind of a linear thinker. I think this step and then this step and this step and this step. But with God, these, these steps are occurring sequentially and, and all at the same time. <laughs> at the same time. So we're, we're not just waiting to be prepared to fit into the body and then bloop, we're in. But we're being shaped and fit and shaped and fit and shaped and fit and shaped and fit as every day goes by. And so, I guess what I would like to focus on this morning for a few minutes is that work that God is doing on us in our particular quarry. The, the shaping that He is doing in us to prepare us for that which He has for us to do. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verses 11 through 13, very familiar verse. And He Himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I don't believe that, that Paul is speaking here of, per, of the perfection of us as individuals, but he is speaking to us of that perfecting of that corporate body, the body of Christ, into that, into that perfect man. Because Christ as the head is not complete, there is, he is not in His fullness, as it were, until the head is united with the body. And, and what God is doing is working to perfect that body so that when it is, it is as, as it were, uh, comes together in the fullness of the, uh, into the head, then there is this fullness of Christ, mm-hmm. this completeness of Him. And so the Holy Spirit is sanctifying each one of us while at the same time fitting us into our places in the church, the body of Christ. Now, I was wondering, you know, as I was thinking about some of these things, how many of us are enjoying our Christianity? Now, I've heard the term before, God does not, is not about making us happy, is about making us holy. And, and, and no, that's fine. He does. He does certainly want us to be holy. But why does He, does not He want us to be happy in our Christian faith? Yes. 
It is He want us to enjoy being Christians. But you know, there are many Christians who have walked with God for many years, know the doctrine backwards and forwards, and yet depart this veil of tears miserable. That should not be. As Christians, we should be able to enjoy our Christianity. If you think of the people you know who you would say enjoy their Christianity, you know who they are. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you ask them, well, how do you know? Well, I don't know exactly. I just know that when I'm around them, they're enjoying their faith. And I think God wants all of us to enjoy our Christianity, our faith in Jesus Christ. I'd like for you to turn with me to the first chapter of Ephesians. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Period. (laughs) He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And it's a wonderful thing to be in Christ. If we have accepted Jesus Christ and His sacrifice and shed blood on the cross for us, we are in Christ. Mm -hmm. Whoever is in Christ is a new creation. All things of the old are passed away. Behold, all things become or becoming new. This is a fact... In Jesus, in the Lord God and His Son, Jesus Christ. This is a settled issue. Whether you are walking in every way right or whether you are, 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 are struggling or whether you feel it or whether you don't feel it or whether you're happy or whether you're unhappy, this does not change. If you have accepted Him, you are in Christ. And He has given us every spiritual blessing. In 2 Peter, the first chapter, he says something something very similar to that. He said, through our knowledge of Jesus Christ, uh, He has given us everything we need for life and godliness. God is telling us, look, saints of God, I have given you everything you need. I have blessed you with every spiritual blessing. You... I looked up to see what is the definition of a blessing. And the dictionary says, A blessing is a favor or gift bestowed by God, thereby bringing happiness. And he says, I've given you every spiritual blessing. You should be the happiest of all people because you have every blessing, which is the gift or favor that I have bestowed upon you 
And it should be bringing you happiness. And it says, He has placed us in Christ, given us these blessings in heavenly places. Well, what is that? What's heavenly places? What does that mean? Well, I think I found this in Matthew Henry's commentary, and I, I sort of like this. It, it was simple, and I can understand it. It's the sphere of spiritual activities. It's the realm where spiritual things are going on. And you know, the, the spiritual realm is actually, should be, we should see it as actually being even more real than the physical realm in which we live. There was a spiritual realm long before there was any physical realm. <laughs> you know, God existed and, and, and Christ and the Holy Spirit existed before there was any of this physical uh, realm that we, that we live in today. That realm is more real than even the physical realm. And He is saying, this is where I have placed you. I have actually transported you from, the, from this dark world into the kingdom of His glorious Son, which is in this heavenly realm. Ephesians 2, 4-6 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What is included in this package of all spiritual blessings? What does it mean fully to be in Christ? Well, here are just a few things. The peace of God rules in our hearts. The power of Christ is made perfect in their weakness. The life of Christ is made manifest in their mortal flesh. These are things that it means to be in Christ. But we read on. In verse 4 it says, Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. I don't know how many times I had read that Scripture before, but as I read it one time in thinking about these things, it just opened up to me that God had said that He had ordained before the foundation of the world that I would be holy and without blame before Him in love. This is something that God has ordained for each one of us. And it's, it's kind of like this... It's while He is making us holy and without blame, which we will become, He is seeing us today as holy and blameless. <laughs> that should give us a security. You know, it is impossible to walk with God and, and, go and, and proceed in this process of sanctification without knowing where our position is in Christ. You can't do it. You can't have condemnation in yourself and be moving in the process of sanctification. 
You will be defeated every time. And that's why God has said, look, this is the place that I have placed you there, and this is the way that I see you. I see you as holy and blameless. Because your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when I look for you, I look at Him, and when I see Him, I see you in Him, and I see you as holy and blameless. That should give us encouragement. That should should give us motivation. That should give us zeal to press on in these things where we know we are not there yet, but we have the assurance that there is therefore now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. Because we cannot move forward, we cannot grow if we are constantly looking over our shoulder and seeing ourselves as condemned. So we must, we must let that go. We must take God at His Word. And that's really the thing that, I guess if I were going to give a title to what I wanted to say this morning, it is take God at His Word. Believe what He says. And take it as fact. <clears throat> there are too many Christians. There are too many people in our own in this own our move of the Spirit, if you will, that can hardly lift their heads before God due to self-condemnation. That is the work of the enemy. That has, as our brother said last night, if you are hearing that voice, you are not hearing it from God. Mm-hmm. And he, is exactly, he was exactly right. And, and we must reject that when we, when we hear that, that sort of thing. Verse 5 having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. When He speaks to us about being predestined, predestined us to the adoption of sons, the term that is used in the Scripture for predestined or, or, or rather to adoption as sons is the same, exactly the same word that is used in Romans 8.23 that our brother read last night. He says, not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. The adoption, that, and you all know this, but I'll just remind you of it. The adoption that he's talking about here is not just the adoption of the way we think of it in the West as being adopted into a family. That, that's true. And God did do that. But what he's talking about here is that process or that place where he is setting in place of responsibility a mature son. It's the placing of a son. (laughs) And it is exactly the same as in Galatians 4, 4 and 5. But when the fullness of of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of... Of, as sons, the exact same word 
is in all those three places. He's not talking about children here. He's talking about He has seen before the foundation of the world. He has seen you and I in that place where He will set us as mature sons and daughters in the kingdom of God. Now, you know, I've spent a lot of time in my Christian walk trying to rationalize things that I didn't fully understand. And I would try to say, well, yeah, but, you know, this or that and the other. You know, I've, I've come to that place where I'm going to take it just as it says it. Yeah. Yeah. This, is, this is what God has said. I can think of all the reasons why this shouldn't happen. And I can look around and say, well, it, you know, surely He can't mean that. But He does. And He has said it over and over in the Scripture. He has confirmed it multiple times in the Scripture. So we need to take that as the the Word of God, which is true. And we'll say just a a bit more about that as we go along. Verse 6, To the praise of the glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we are accepted. Mm -hmm. Let that be a settled issue in our hearts. He goes on to say, and I don't think Andy got this far all the way in the 8th chapter last night, but there is where he says, you know, come all of these things that can happen. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing means nothing. Right. This is this that's why the gospel is so absolutely wonderful. It is because God had the faith, if you will, I guess, to just say, I'm going to I'm going to provide everything. And if you will just accept what Christ has done for you on the cross, this is yours. Now there may be there may be differences in responsibilities, there will be first fruits and, and harvest later and so but nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> I was thinking about this issue of no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, it's it's not it's it's easy. It's easy for us to fall into that place. <laughs> we we compare ourselves to others, we mm-hmm. we uh we we fail along the way and we we get under this this sense that we may not we may not confess that that's what it is, but that's what it is. And so I was thinking about this experience that I had with our grandson, Bo, who has uh, he's the one that had the that that has the uh, the the heart issue, and so he can't he can't do a lot of of of, of real aerobic uh, athletic activities. So he got into golf about three years ago, and he's absolutely consumed by it. He plays every spare minute that he's got. He plays golf. 
and he works so hard at it, and his goal is he wants to get a scholarship to go to college on a golf scholarship. That's what he's decided he wants to do. And so he plays and he plays and plays and plays. And he goes to a school which doesn't really have, it's a Christian school, and it, it kind of has a golf team or it doesn't have a golf team depending on who wants to play golf. And right now, he doesn't have, there's nobody else that wants to play. So he plays, he plays almost every day after school. But since he doesn't have his driver's license yet, he can't drive the golf cart. So, so if he plays after school, so he can get in nine holes after school, well, either my wife or I have to drive the golf cart. So he's always calling to say, can, can you, can we play golf today? Well, I don't play golf. She doesn't, my wife doesn't play golf, but we drive the golf cart. And so we were we were playing the other day, and I, I was I was driving the golf cart, and he teed off at the first hole, and it wasn't too bad, you know, it's fair. But he wasn't real happy about. It, but he, you know, he kind of psyched himself up. And went to the second hole, second hole worse than the first hole, and then finally we get to the par three, which is a which is a fair and fairly narrow fairway. There's woods on one side. There's a stream and a pond on one a stream that runs in front of the hole and a pond on the right side of the hole. It's pretty challenging. It's not long, but it is challenging. First hit goes way into the woods. No way of finding the ball. So he hits another shot. It slews off and goes into the neighbors, into the into the the, the flower bed of the the people on the side of, live on the golf course. And he just said, Papa said, let's go back to the driving range. He said, I just can't, you know, I'll just, it'll just, it'll ruin my confidence if I keep going. <laughs> so we went back, we just stopped, went back to the driving range and he was, he was hitting, you know, hitting and going. And there was a man with his, an adult and his, who was working with his daughter over here next to us. And we'd probably been there, I don't know, 45 minutes or so. This man came over and said, Son, what's your name? And he said, Bo Luff. He said, Where do you go to school? He said, Well, I go to Providence School. He said, Well, that's a really good school. But he said, For education, you couldn't do any better. But you need to find some place where you can go and be on a golf team. He said, You are really good. He said, My daughter plays for such and such a high school over here. And she said, The boys' team can't hit in two shots what you're hitting in one, distance wise. He said, What tees are you playing off? He said, Play off the orange tees. Oh, he said, All the high school teams will play off tees that are, they're playing a lot less yardage than you are. And he kept going on about this and talking to him. You could just see Bo's spirits just rise. <laughs> And he he really talked to him, and he told him, he said, son, if you, if you can cut two and a half strokes a year between now and when you graduate from high school, he says, you can play Division One golf. Mm-hmm. Now, whether this guy knows what he's talking about, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the Lord just sent him to Mo that day. And he says, I'm going to check and see if there's a way that you, if you go to this school, you could play on another school's golf team. He said, I'm going to get back to you. I'm going to see what could be arranged for you to play. That just totally changed his 
his feelings. He had had the wor- one of the worst days, and he there was he was living in that that feeling of the experience, and yet this man told him could talk to him in such a way that this this had nothing to do with with what what talent or what he talent he really had. And he did say to him, the other thing that I thought was important that he told Bo was, he said, you know, a lot of these kids, are, their moms buy them all the clothes and the nice clubs and all this kind of stuff. And he says, all you do is just come out here and work your hind end off <laughs> every day. And you know, that was just such an encouragement. So we must not listen to our feelings or dwell on our failures but to dwell on the Word of God which says there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Now, I want to read through Ephesians 1 here. I'm going to read through verses 12 through 19. And I want you to listen for something in as we, as we read this together. I want you to listen for these words. Trust, truth, believe, faith. They're all very much related. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. To Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. Mm -hmm. Who is the purchased possession? We are. We are Christ's inheritance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Praise God. We have an inheritance, but we are also an inheritance, if you will. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not seek to get, seek to give thank, cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Now, this this is a very important thing here, is to have the eyes of our understanding to be opened. We don't... We don't intellectually or mentally receive the things of the Spirit. The things of the Spirit are imparted to our regenerated spirit. We can have understanding mentally after it has been revealed, but it doesn't come in that order. We We don't read stuff and try to process through it with our thinking and our understanding. I've spent years trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Trying to trying to if I can think it through, then I can understand it. 
And finally, it has dawned on me, it's the other way around. Just yield and open our spirit to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will turn those lights on as He wants to reveal these things to us. And then we can think about them and reason through them and come to a, an understanding mentally of it, but it doesn't, it doesn't go in the reverse order. And so, that's what Paul is saying to them here. He's saying to you, he says, I pray that the, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the Spirit, the Spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. These things come by revelation. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened in that way that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. We've read a lot about being in Christ. Well, how do you get in Christ? Well, we've talked a bit about that. But there's a Scripture that I really like. It's one of my favorites. It's 1 Corinthians 1 and 30. It says, But of Him, speaking of Christ, but of Him or of God, you are in Christ Jesus. It is God's doing totally that has accomplished this. Who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That's one of those things where in the past I would try to rationalize in some way. I don't try to rationalize anymore. I'm taking that at face value. In Him, Christ has become for me righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Do we have a part? Yes, we do. Galatians 2 and 20. This is another favorite. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. And the life, I na- the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Amen. What is that thing that makes truth a reality in our lives? What is it? We just read it. Faith. It is faith. It is faith that makes the facts of God an experiential reality in our lives. There are all kinds of things that are factual. There, the, 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 the things that God have do, has done for us kind of come in two categories. One is things of 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 uh, they're accomplished facts and there are promises. Mm-hmm. 
The accomplished facts are things that have historically taken place. They are already done. The promises are yet to be fulfilled in us. Doesn't say they're they're you know they're iffy, but they may have not come fully to pass. But the facts, they're historical. They have already been accomplished, and he is he has accomplished these things, uh, things for us. And Paul says here, on one side, he said, "I am crucified with Christ," and, and that's kind of we would say. If we were looking at positives and negatives, so that's that's the negative side is I have been crucified with Christ. A death has occurred. A, de- a death, a doing away has occurred. But then on the positive side, he says, but nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. But he doesn't stop there. He says... But the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith. The King James Version says, of the Son of God. Others say, in the Son of God. I don't know that it matters. But the the issue is, is that the life He is now living, He says, this is not me anymore. This is not the old nature in me that is living anymore. This is Christ living in me. Now, the key here is is that Andy talked last night. I, I really enjoyed it. He was talking about he was talking about chapter seven of Romans, where Paul had, had not come to this realization. But in chapter eight, he came to this realization, and then we see it popping up in the in others other letters that 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 he has written. That it. There is something that has taken place, and and we see the same thing in in the sixth chapter of Romans, where where Paul said, "Do you not know that you have been crucified with Christ? That there is a there has been a doing away with the old nature." And I've I've heard this explanation before, and and. I, I guess I struggle with it a little bit where some people have taught, well, it's like there are two natures within you. It's like a black dog and a white dog. The black dog is your evil nature and the white dog is your, is your new nature. And if you, if you, if you feed the, if you starve the black dog and feed the white dog, then the black dog will eventually dry, die and the, the white dog will prosper and so on. Well, you know that puts the work back on me. It means okay. I've got to. I've got to get into the word. I've got to make sure I understand it. I got to make sure I'm doing it. I got to make sure I'm doing this. I'm praying enough. I'm so on, and I can't do enough. Yeah. And the black dog is still going. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't. I I sort of laid that down at one time. I thought, well, that makes sense, but it doesn't make sense to me now because. Paul has has emphasized that there is a death of that old nature has occurred. The key to us, the thing that makes that reality in us, is faith that that's that, that we believe and we operate on the belief and the and the assumption or more than assumption that that is true. I don't want to be focused all the time on watching the black dog. 
I want to be focused on the new nature that Christ has given me. And I'm going to stand on that, that that old nature is dead. And the way that I make that new nature a reality in its living in life is by faith in believing that it is true. And then beginning to operate, to speak, to walk, to live in accordance with the belief that that is true. How many of us this morning, when we woke up and we're hungry and we're ready and we say, you know, I call Andy up and I say, Andy, would you go down and see if there's any breakfast down there this morning? Because if there's not, I'm not going to... I'm not going to go down there. So you let me know because I'm not sure that there is breakfast down there. We never thought a thing about that, did we? We got up, got dressed, got ready, and went down, and our breakfast was there. This is what God wants us to do, is to accept the facts, these accomplished facts as accomplished facts. And stand over and walk in those things. Not wavering. And when when the doubts begin to come in, we reject those because we say, I'm going to stand on exactly what the Word of God has said. Is it true that Christ died for every man and woman? Yes. Yes. Is it true that every man and woman will be saved? Yes. Eventually. But... They may have to go through a process we don't yeah. we don't rest of us don't want to go through. Yeah. <laughs> but that regardless of whether a man or woman accepts Christ as their Savior does not change the fact that he died for everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the thing that makes that reality and gives us some, give that, that brings the blessing with it is the fact that we believe it. And so that's what connects it. The fact is there. The provision is there. The accomplished fact is there. But the key for us is to believe it with all of our heart. Amen. Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We could say it this way. Now, faith is the substantiation of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. What is substantiation? Well, today, our brother Steve got up here and he played the keyboard. Brother James led us in song. But if I had been deaf from birth, or deaf from birth, I couldn't appreciate that those sounds would have had no had no reality for me. The the same thing, I you know if I had been blind from birth, I would not know the beauty of my wife. I would ne- the, it is my eyes that substantiate that beauty. 
It is my ears that substantiate the song, the, 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 the sounds that I, that I hear. How many of us would really know what, how could you explain water to somebody unless they could feel it? And that's, and when the Helen Keller's teacher was trying to teach her about water, she, she had to take her to water and put her hand under the water and let her feel that water. The thing that substantiated water for Helen Keller was her sense of feel. She could then say, I have a sense of what water is. And so that's what, that's the thing that connects us to the reality of things that God has done is faith or belief in the truth of those things. You know, you go on into the uh, in the 11th chapter, and I think it's in verse 6, where it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For they that come to Him must believe that He is, and that He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. As I read that the other day, I, I just almost jumped up and I said, Hallelujah. Lord, I want to see, I want the eyes of my understanding to be opened. I want to see and understand these things by the Spirit. And I think there's more to this than I can, than I'm comprehending. There's more of it than I have been able to experience in my life. But then I saw this promise that said, if you will diligently seek Him, He will reward you. It doesn't, he doesn't say what the timing of that will be. He doesn't say how long that you may need to seek. But He says He is the rewarder of them who diligently seek Him. So our responsibility is to diligently seek Him. To believe that if we diligently seek Him, he will reward us in our seeking. If there are things that we're dealing with that we're, that we're struggling with, we don't understand, we're, we're conflicted, or, or the, the eyes of our understanding haven't been opened, don't concentrate on that. Concentrate on the promise that if you diligently seek Him, He will reward you. And you get up every day and you say, Lord, I'm seeking You about this thing. Help me to see it. Help me to understand it. And I think what He will begin to do is He will... He will gradually begin to peel the 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 the, the pieces of the onion away, <laughs> little by little, here a little, there a little, line upon line, precept on precept. He will begin to reveal these things more and more, and they will eventually come to that place where they are just unconscious reality in our lives. <clears throat> All of God's facts are real. However, the facts can only be substantiated by faith. They can only be made reality to us by belief and faith in those things. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Mm -hmm. He who abides in me and I am him bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. That is an accomplished fact. Jesus did not say, I will be the vine and you will be the branches. He said, you are. I am and you are. Mm -hmm. But what is it that allows the 
the sap to flow from the vine to the branch. Who said it? Faith. Faith. That is exactly what it is. That there is a reality there that is true, but the thing that makes it real to us, that connects us with that, is faith and belief that those things are true. And then beginning to walk and behave and to act as, as if we believe that they are true. <clears throat> um, yeah, I, I, I was... How are we doing on time? Oh, it's getting late. It's funny how you can not think you've been up here very long. You've been up here for almost an hour. I'll try to make this quick. But I was asking one of our traveling deacons here not too long ago. He had known he had been to several places visiting recently. And I just said... Brother, what if you were to assess in just one, the most critical thing that you think the church is in need of right now, what would you say it is? And you know what he said? He said, unity. Unity. That's what the church is lacking most right now, is unity. You know, I thought about looking at all these scriptures Ephesians 4 bearing with one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace Romans 12:18 if it is possible as much as depend on you live peaceably with all men even in 1 Corinthians 6 and 7 talks about them suing one another. He said, uh, why do you not rather take the wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Matthew 5, 24 Therefore if thou bring thy gift to the altar and therefore rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer my gift, thy gift. Do we really believe God's words regarding the importance of unity even at our own personal loss? Yeah. If we if we if we are if there is disunity among us, then if we if we want to be led by the Spirit of God. One of the ways to be led by the Spirit of God is to see what the Spirit of God says about that issue in His written Word and obey it. Mm -hmm. Obey it, believing that regardless of how we may feel or, or how we may reason intellectually through an issue, we're going to make the decision. We're going to stand on His Word. And if He says... He says, as far as it is it completely possible with you, live at peace with all men. You know, we can go a long way that way. <laughs> we can go a long way that way. But if that's what if that's what God if that's what God has said to us, then then for these things to take place, 
then we have to have faith that God's Word is right, regardless of how we may feel. Overcoming depends on the exercise of faith. 1 John 5 and 4, For whatsoever is born from God, who or whatsoever is born of God, overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Even our faith. So, <clears throat> I think I will... I'll leave it there. No, it is one thing seems to be much easier for people to be justified by faith. But if you go through that book of Romans, which Andy just went through a little part of it last night, you have the first five chapters speaking about justification by faith. But then he goes on from there on, he talks about sanctification by faith. You know, He wants to justify us by faith, take us to that position we are placed in heavenly places in Christ, and then, through faith, you know, unbelief is the worst of all the sins. (laughs) Unbelief. So let us uh, just make that commitment in our heart that the the seek God, He says He is a rewarder of them that will diligently seek Him. That, that He will make real to us these, these wonderful facts that He has accomplished for us, they can be made real to us if we believe it and begin to act, speak, walk, live based on the truth of these things. If you would like more information about the moving of God's Spirit or resources for your spiritual life, please visit our website at www.globalmissionsinc.org.